0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Family Business Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping family businesses thrive. My name is Ross Hayworth and each week I will share insights and experiences to help you to navigate the complexities that can come from being in business with your family. You will also hear directly from family businesses who have been kind enough to share their own stories. As ever, I am grateful for the support of my good friends over at the Institute for Family Business. The IFB support family businesses in overcoming their challenges and help them build lasting legacies, something that we have a shared passion for. You can find out more about their work by heading over to ifb.org.uk. Right, let's get on with this week's show. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Family Business Podcast. Absolutely delighted to be joined by Dennis Jaffe today, and we are going to be talking about what family businesses can be doing to um, help reinvent the family enterprise as we emerge from this global crisis. Firstly, Dennis, thank you for coming on the show.
0: Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here again.
1: And uh, we were just speaking a little bit off air about um, how this has all impacted us. Before we get into the detail of the show, just want to make sure you're all safe and well. And looking after yourself in in the U.S.
0: Yeah, you know, um, very well. I'm a, you know, grandparent and parent, so all my kids are out. So it's my wife and I, and, you know, we're, you know, kind of have a, you know, nice house and garden and and we can walk around the community. So we're just waiting for things to open up and seeing how just even the city space around us is going to be different.
1: Mm. Yeah, there's obviously going to be an awful lot of changes as things do start to open up, and we might get into to some of those as we progress through the the show. Um, yeah. For those audience members who may not be aware of you and your your work, could you just give them an overview of um, your background, your history, and and the work that you're doing now?
0: Yes, well, I've been working. I'm I'm kind of a a blend of a. I have a background in management consulting, and I'm also a family therapist. So. Those two things were kind of business consulting and family therapy were two different areas. And I w- was tending toward the management consulting and then the world, the work um, in the field of family business came out and it was all of a sudden I discovered that I could combine those two interests, which I thought were very separate and uh, do both. So since since the eighties actually, I've been working with families who have a business together And uh, I don't work as a a therapist, but I help families go across generations. And in the past um, few years, I've been, you know, traveling all over the world and and looking at the commonalities that, you know, large business, successful business families have in in how they work as a a growing, innovative family.
1: Mm. And uh, again, we'll come on to talk about it uh, a little bit later on, but you have recently published a book um, which is entitled Borrowed From Your Grandchildren. Those that are watching it on YouTube will see it over my shoulder there. Yep, sure um, it is, yep. And it's a fascinating study that, as you say, is looking at the sort of features and characteristics that uh, are common amongst successful family enterprises over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can we can get into some of the detail on that a little bit um, later on as well. But We are, I guess we need to be mindful of the fact that there are different stages to the coronavirus crisis and different parts of the world are at different phases of that. So it would be um, naive to say that we are all coming out of this crisis now, because I know there are countries that are not in that position. But as we do emerge from the um, crisis, and there's this phrase that's being thrown around at the moment, which is the new normal which I I think if you look back over previous crises, that that maybe the new normal is the fact that there are, we we move from one crisis to another. But as we do emerge, what are the the sorts of things that family enterprises and family businesses can be doing now?
0: When we talk about and have have things like the, the new normal, it's, I think, a little bit of a wish fulfillment that, well, we've been through all this stuff and then we'll come back and the world will be, Something that's more or less predictable and and orderly. And uh, there's another possibility, one that we really have to entertain, which is that the the ripples of instability. It isn't. We we've had a little chaos, and now we're back on our plateau. It may be that we're on a, a continuing change, and it may be that the the instability that we're experiencing now is just a, a something that's going to be going on for a decade uh, or more even then so a new normal is an example of some of the ways that we approach things by kind of saying well i'm anxious now but but things will be okay later and uh, you know there there's uh that makes us feel good but it it may not be the best way to plan and and look ahead to uh at the turbulence um that, that's happening
1: yeah absolutely and i i think there's a a danger that because we are all kind of sheltering and and have been in lockdown that there's the assumption that when the doors are flung open that everything will return back to how it was albeit with perhaps new measures right. that and, are and in, we're, in we're place. sitting there
0: and we, we've, we've been you know like sitting in our homes with our families and it's been stressful for some when you know educating your kids and being together with your spouse which a lot of us haven't uh, experienced in a long time and not yeah. working and so we make ourselves feel comfortable by saying, well, gee, it feels good. We're having a good time. We're eating together. We're playing. We're, you know, doing things together. Let's just not think about the future um, because there's nothing we can do. And, um, and then we'll come out of it and, and we'll figure out what to do then. And there's something to that, again, like the the, the, the new normal. But it's also, it means that when we're we're postponing the anxiety of, um, of of planning and figuring out um, what to do,
1: mm. and I guess I mean if we look at perhaps the last recession, but back in the two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and nine, um, with the financial crisis, there were elements to that of predictability in that we saw that there was a drying up of credit, and that there would be need to be other means in order to kind of operate within that environment. What we're seeing now is almost unpredictable as to what's going to happen. So what should a family be businesses be looking at now, given that there is this element of, to this crisis that is particularly well, unpredictable? Well,
0: so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting to get back. You know, the, the book that I wrote, which came out just a month before the crisis, is about 100-year families and how they've been successful. And the, the concept that I wrote about was resilience and uh, how families have to continually reinvent themselves and the ones that are successful are the ones that can listen to new ideas and adapt and, and uh, use their resources to change even something that's been successful and so this is the good news is is you know the, the the pandemic struck and i was just starting my book tour and it was like oh god everything's changed is my book relevant and what I, what i've been finding from families is that I'm, I'm writing about reinventing and, and principles of families working together to, to kind of find new ways, and it, it's indeed relevant. So, you know, the families have to, you know, begin to kind of uh, understand that whatever the temptation is to do something, you know, kind of fast and decisive and make a plan, it's like some of the, the, the planning the planning models that we have is you, you, you kind of gather information, you make a plan, you implement the plan, you evaluate the plan. That, that's a rational model. Well, what if the information keeps changing and you have to implement something, but then it's changing? So we're in a model where you can't, it's more of a spiral and you can't uh, invent yourself. So, so one family is a wonderful family near, nearby that uh, has run a, a huge restaurant that very, very fancy restaurant that everybody wants to come to and outdoor seating, indoor seating, you know, hundreds of people. And boom, it hit them. And, you know, they were saying, well, gee, you know, kind of, you know, lots of tables together in a big thing that that's not going to work. And, you know, we're, we're not, we're closed. And, and so they started to, to, to think of new, new ideas. And they, they set up, you know, and they asked their employees who they wanted to keep on. Well, you know, if we, we have to think of new ideas. So they, they, they did, of course, take out food. But then they started, They, they had you know, they, had, they started to kind of make family meals. And they started to kind of figure out new ways. And they really invited everybody um, on their staff. They said, hey, anybody that thinks of a new idea for a business, you know, it's like just start it. Mm-hmm. And they started a little retail store selling You know, I I don't know what, you know, what it was, but it was successful and maybe it was masks and and, Uh and stuff. And uh, they just, they just did a lot of different things and um, they're, they're reinventing themselves. And when it reopens manufacturing businesses, offices, they're, they're not going to look the same. Uh And, uh, you know, so, so the idea of, of reopening is, is a hard one. Now here, here's where it gets into the family. Family, for example, has been used to a certain level of income, or the family has been used to a certain predictability. And one is that some of the family members don't even know about the business. They just depended on it. Other people mm-hmm. are, are not, really, not really clear of how much strain there's been on the business and how difficult it's going to be. So families, it isn't just about what are you doing with the business business. They have to plan and, and talk together about what they're going to do differently. And uh, sometimes the idea of, of sacrifice is one that they have to become used to. And the family members have to discuss it. Mm. They also have to kind of do a little bit of a review of of, of what was wor- what was working and what do we have to do differently now. So they they may you know say well we have a you know this this kind of a model or this kind of a you know, kind of a family, you know, management team, mm. and they may have to re rethink it. Yeah. So they're they're selling the business, closing the business. Some families have been, you know, planning to expand, and now they have to contract. Uh-huh. And so there's a lot of internal discussion. Yeah. And some of it is about we have to sacrifice together, and other parts of the discussion are about we have to think of some new ideas. <laughs> And, uh, you know, we we can't continue the business as it was.
1: Mm. And I guess there's different roles for different generations in those discussions as well, because if there are new ideas that the um, next generation has, so you mentioned the the, um, restaurant local to you, where they've said to everybody, look, come up with new ideas, come up with ways that we can Mm -hmm. diversify our risk a little bit in terms of of what we're um, exposed to. There's presumably a role for the next gen to be saying, actually, is now the time to. And again, a, a phrase that I think has been thrown around an awful lot during the crisis is this pivot phrase of, do we need to move more towards this as a as a family or as a business, yeah. and prompting those um, discussions.
0: Well, that was one of the one of the findings in my research about resilient families. Is I asked, I studied a hundred families all over the world that were successful. Moving past the third generation, and one of the questions I asked is when you had an innovation and a major change, where did it come from? how did it how did it get started and um, the model in people's minds is that that it, it comes from the leaders and and they think of new ideas and Started. But in in, um, in reality, what they said about 60% of the major changes that they reported, they said they came from a younger generation. They they went, they went to business school, and, the, and their professor had an idea. They heard, uh-huh. they had friends, they had uh, other ideas. They they worked as an intern in a uh, venture capital firm, and they learned about uh, about this. And uh, the ideas came from the younger generation. Now, what these families did and this is important, is younger generations always have ideas. And some of them are stupid, and some of them need a little work, and some of them are, are just great and just run with them. And, but the older generation has to be open. First of all, they have to be listening. And if they're saying, hey, I'm so busy, and it's, we're, we're in such a crisis right now, and I have to get back, get, get work, we have to get this open, I don't have time to listen to you. Yeah. That's an example of being closed to innovation open innovation say hey i need your help and and we need to you know be opening up and and please please help me but but you know we can also find some time to talk about new ideas and, and consider them and and it's a it's a kind of a both and so the older generation has to be open and the younger generation has to pitch in but but also be be invited to share their ideas
1: yeah, and I, I guess tr- traditionally there would be communication forums in place to help families to, to communicate that would typically be, not always, but typically be in person. Now that we're not able to meet, are you seeing people using technology to, to continue those? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, on?
0: everybody, everybody. I mean, including um, older people, like like I'm, I'm a grandparent, and uh, I can tell you personally... I've never been on Facebook. I don't know what Twitter is. Mm -hmm. I don't know what Snapchat is. You know, it's like, I am not a social media person. Now I've I've been living in the past eight weeks on on Zoom. I certainly know what Zoom is. And I'm learning from my kids. When I have a problem, I call up one of my kids and they laugh and chuckle and then they they show me. So there's a learning process, but, and, you know, families have, All families have gotten comfortable with with virtual meetings and and things like that, but they have to, you know, there's some other learning that they have to do about about doing business um, at a distance. And you say that families communicate. Well, one of the big problems in families is that the people that are in charge, particularly when they're in a crisis, they surge ahead and they, they just do things and they don't communicate. They they Uh stop communicating in a time when it's actually more important to communicate.
1: Yeah. And I guess the current situation provides an an excuse, if that's the right word. Almost an inverted commas, the excuse for people to say, well, we couldn't have the normal meetings that we would normally have. So I had to make that decision for the benefit of the business. And it kind of creates its own issues.
0: So one of the things that families have to do is is watch their impulsive desire to kind of take action and do things or their desire or their desire to kind of say well let's wait and see see what happens that's not a good strategy jumping ahead and just you know doing something is not the best strategy it's somewhere in between you have to take action but you have to be thoughtful and and make sure that that you know your your troops your family are with you that you've you know checked with people that you've you've looked you know kind of wider circle in, in your community and, 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 and really have a solid strategy rather than just jump forward on your own.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned now sort of a good time for families to to undertake a review. W- would you start at a point of why, why are we in business together? Is it that, that big of a review is now the time to be having those discussions? Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Because it's not a failure for a family business um, to go out of business. And, and, and it's also, you know, has to happen sometimes. I mean, I, I live in a, you know, kind of a part of San Francisco and we expect a third of our restaurants and, and community local stores to go out of business. So all of those families are feeling pain and they're, 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 they're certainly experiencing loss. But they also have to reinvent themselves. And, and so, you know, the families have to be really questioning what, you know, what they're doing because they, they, they can't continue. The, I mean, the rents have been going up and now everybody has, wants to renegotiate their rent. But, the, you know, the landlords, they, they have their own family businesses and, mm. you know, it's, it's, they're not all giant businesses. So there's a lot of, a lot of you know, rethinking. Now people are thinking, should I sell buildings? Should I, you know, take the you know the cash out now? Should I, you know, should I, can I continue the business? Can I, con- should I continue the business in a new way? Do we have to, you know, create something different? Do we have to make different products? Mm-hmm. Do we need partners? There, there are all kinds of questions that the family has to ask. And, uh, you know, just forging forward and being decisive is, is, only a good idea if you're going in the right you know in, in in a good direction yeah and it's only um the right thing if you're willing to kind of say whoops that's not working slow down yeah. stop look <laughs> you know not not right
1: uh yeah and i guess uh, in those communications and in in the the conversations that people be having with their families r- recognizing that the the current health crisis that we we're, we're facing as a as a world this is a global issue this isn't a regional or particular market issue it's something that is is affecting the human race on a health level, level and the resulting lockdowns and restrictions that we have has meant that a way of life that we are used to we have now lost albeit hopefully temporarily although we may emerge into something that's that's new we as individuals are most likely undergoing a grief process as a result of that and the anxiousness and concern and worry that we are all feeling as a result of that will be impacting how we make decisions and how we communicate with each other and because we're going to be at different stages of that how can families kind of put a check on the fact that there could be somebody who's Making a decision because they're feeling particularly bullish on a good sunny day, whereas the following day the reality of the situation starts to dawn on them again. And...
0: Well, this is this is the so families have to get together, and I think the other thing is is that sometimes when you're feeling pain, and another issue that comes up along with the with the with the pain uh, and the and loss is a, a feeling of unfairness. I didn't do this, you know. Why should I have to? You know. Why should my you know business be Closed. Why should I have to do this? You know, why is you know so and so charging me so much? Why can't I get the supplies that I that I want? There's a feeling of unfairness, and the reaction that we have to unfairness is we pull in and we say, "Well, then I'm going to take care of myself," you know, because that it's not fair. Whereas more you know, the other response is to understand that everybody feels. <laughs> That it's unfair and and maybe you need to ask help and and seek and 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 reach out to others to say what are we going to what are we going to do you know to keep this is you know negotiating with landlords negotiating you know for businesses coming together i'm talking to a couple of families that are saying well let's let's work together on some of these these things there's a number of uh, ways that reaching out when you're in pain rather than hunkering down is a better strategy
1: and again but because of the nature of this crisis because we're all going through it there's not going to be a business on the planet that won't have been impacted by this some positively because they've been able to, to to PPE for example but it's not as if it's impacting one business and they're going to somebody who is not impacting going this is happening we can all relate on this we can all start to share our own stories and ideas as a result of the fact we are all impacted by this
0: right it's it's uh, it's it's a challenge and, and and again you know i feel like it's unfair but if i'm a small businessman or a manufacturer i have other i have employees they feel like it's un, unfair mm. we have suppliers we have landlords we have a, costs of of doing business and 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 now distancing regulations there's a lot of adjustment and the, the i think the people that are pulling together collectively are in a stronger place than 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 people that say well that's not fair so i'm going to stop paying my rent which is you know for some people that that's the only thing that they can do but uh, you know at least they you know they they need to be uh, in touch you know, with, with their landlords who may also be a family, small family business that depends on the income.
1: Mm-hmm. And I guess it, to a certain extent, family businesses are, are positioned well in terms of assisting with the communication during this time because they are a family, they are connected. There are those bonds between them. Whereas uh, a corporate non non-family owned business to try and get those sort of key stakeholders around the table at any given time you are you're impacting lots of different people in, in, a, in a different right. way would that be right. fair
0: the family can can you know look long term and and you know kind of tighten their belts together more i think more so than you know a bunch of strangers uh-huh. um, who are investing in a business who we'll yeah. just say well investments you know uh that didn't work out i'm gonna look at something else
1: yeah and if the primary driver is just pure profit and somebody who's an investor is thinking, actually, I'm, I'm not going to get my return now. I can, I can get out. that You're not necessarily going to have those same views in a family-owned business because there normally is that longer-term aim and strategy for the family. Given that you've studied a hundred-year-old family business or those that have, have survived um, that long, what lessons have they taken from previous crises that could be applied to? now because they would have seen world war ii they would have seen
0: exactly um the families the 100 year families that i studied all had crises they all went through wars they had um government takeovers they were kicked out of countries and emigrated to uh, new countries they had you know kind of uh you know conflicts they they business losses new technologies they they all had to deal with them and and the question that i asked is not you know not so much what were the crises but how did you respond and working together and reaching out to others and 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 listening to ideas and and looking and thinking for the long term and negotiating with the people around them those were the kinds of responses and being willing to invest in new businesses and and go i mean you know some Families saw that the businesses that they were in were, you know, were reaching a point where they just weren't producing the return, and they weren't as good a business as they were, you know, for the last you know 30 years. And they had to, you know, the, the, you use the word pivot. They had to pivot and set up new businesses, and so they were able to invest in new businesses and go in new directions. And over, you know, a, a dozen years or so, they they went from one major, you know, business to to others. Mm-hmm. Um, so resiliency is, is what um, I see and, and the ability to, you know, kind of, you know, move on and, and uh, reinvent themselves. Half yeah. of the families uh, in my study sold their legacy business and went into other investments or bought other businesses. They, they diversified, they've, you know, done all kinds of changes.
1: Mm-hmm. And you referred in, in the book to generative family enterprise could, could you give us a yeah a well, feel the what, idea of, what you mean by that
0: well the idea of generativity is, is continual wealth creation and one of the mindsets and, and and the ideas that we have which is wrong is that family businesses one wealth creator creates a great deal of wealth a big you know big pot of money and then the rest of the generation just spend it spend it spend it and then it's all gone well, the generative family and the families that I studied, they didn't create one pot of money. They, they did. They created a lot of value at the beginning because that, that's how they became a family business. But the next generations and later generations also created value and also created not just financial value, but non-financial value. Education, values, working together, social impact, community uh, activities. So what what what's characteristic of these families is they're continually creating value over the generations. They're not doing it just one time. And and the funny thing is, is that by creating value in all kinds of ways, they're, that's one of the reasons I think that they're successful in um, their business and finance. They, they, they continue to create wealth, but they use the wealth and think about what they want to use the wealth for non-financially. Mm-hmm. That's what... What is our wealth for? Yeah. What do we want to achieve in the world? And what do we want to achieve in our family? Those are the questions that they ask.
1: And and that I think is a really important distinction over and above pure shareholder return. For somebody who is is in business for pure profit and is looking for for that um to provide a return on their investment for however uh, long they're looking to hold that shareholding or, Well family or run that business, company.
0: you see the, the owners are not just together for profits. They're they have a personal relationship. They're parents and children and cousins and they care about each other and they watch each other's lives. So by definition, the family owners have a broader agenda than just uh, making a profit. They're not against the profit, but they, mm-hmm. they want to have they want more than that. And because they're looking to pass it to their children, they're looking long term. Mm-hmm. And these are the two defects that, that, that people say um, see in public corporations, that they're thinking short term and, and that they're, they're not really looking at broader than just making money. So family businesses are a great now example of another way that, that business can be done, which is more values based and long term uh, mm-hmm. oriented.
1: Yeah. And g- given the the businesses that you would have spoken to at some stage in their history would have been a first generation startup business. Mm. Uh, at what stage did they start to look at the longer term view? Because if an entrepreneur is thinking, I, I have a great business idea and this is how I want to do it. And I want it. I, I don't think there's many that will go and I want it to be there for five generations time but at some stage along that journey they do have that discussion with perhaps it's when the second generation's looking to to move into the business was there a right. commonality there with, with what you found
0: yeah that exactly so uh one of the things that again that, that that was interesting is that the first generation wealth creator that's not a family business that's my business I make the decisions, I do it the way I want it. So it's like me, I may want to have a family business, but you don't have a family business. You intend uh-huh. one. And what happens is the second and third generation is faced with the task of, we want to create a, a family business. We have to collaborate, we have to communicate. And these are all things that the older generation didn't you know, do very well. So uh-huh. this, the second, third generation has to create a, collaborative culture and define their values and define how they want to work together and and this is the the task after they've built a great business the family has to create what i call a great family and that that means working together collaborating becoming a team having shared goals developing their resources and capability and their social commitment those are all the things that a family has to do after They've created the their their successful business.
1: Sure, and I'm guessing that that's where the governance is then introduced to right. these types of businesses is to allow them to kind of formalize that side of things.
0: Right. The older generation they don't they don't see the need for governance. Like I run things. Um, you know, what do I need governance for?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and the younger generation. Says, well, I have a bunch of cousins and um, siblings and. There's a lot of people, and we got to communicate and get their ideas and find roles and work together in different ways and and do all the different things that the family needs to have done. And it's pretty complicated, and so we got to organize it. Uh-huh. Um, so that that's how that um, kind of grows up.
1: Yeah, and the statistics or findings from your study also demonstrate that the existence of governance has a positive impact on. The longevity of the business is that a direct correlation, would you say?
0: Well, I'm see, I, I didn't compare them with anything, so I looked at hundred year businesses, and they all seem to have governance. So I would um, say that probably governance is important to hundred year families because I never saw a hundred year family that didn't have it. Uh-huh. But you know, who knows? I mean, it, it just governance is a good thing in itself. It means um, organizing, uh-huh. and it means defining roles. And of course, when you have 100 family members and, you know, they're doing a whole lot of different things as a family, you've got to be organized and you've got to, you know, do these things. So Uh it doesn't cause business success, but it's certainly necessary.
1: Yeah. And hindsight, I know is a wonderful thing. But if there are families who are listening to this now who perhaps don't have governance structures and those communication forums in place as a family. Again, would you sort of recommend that now's as good a time as any to, uh, there's a, an old, well, I think should Chinese problem.
0: That the first and second generation doesn't need complicated governance because there aren't that many people. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that, that I show in the book is that governance evolves as things get more complicated, governance gets more, more better developed to cope with the complexity. So business starts off with simple governance, a simple board or council, and then uh, as there are more people, it gets you have more. You know, you have to add more things.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the key message: is that it is an evolution, isn't it? It's not something where you put a right. governance now, structure in place. And I have governance,
0: or I don't have governance. Governance yeah. is a whole is a moving target. Mm. it's a whole lot of different things
1: yeah and i think the the word governance can seem quite intimidating As you say to the senior generation it's perhaps seen as a break on their behavior and a controlling mechanism to kind of stop them from doing what they want
0: to do you know it's about listening and it's about give and take so it isn't about you're in charge and you're not even if the older generation is in charge that doesn't mean that they uh, shouldn't listen to the next generation and take it seriously so the fact that they're in charge doesn't mean they're, they have a license to not listen to anybody.
1: Yeah, completely agree. And there will be these governance structures that that are sort of banded around as the solution. Governance is the solution in, in terms of any potential issue with it within a family business. But I, I think it's also right to point out to be cautious about going into it for the sake of having... Governance. Needs to be well, a governance it.
0: is a. Think of governance as a solution to a problem. So you define what the problem is. The problem is is nobody knows who's in charge, or the person uh, in charge. Uh, people don't trust that person, or or there's so many people and they have different ideas and they don't know what's going on. That's the problem, and governance is a solution mm-hmm. to it. So to say do you have governance is a, a I mean to me is not the really a good question the question is what do you what is governance doing for you why do you have it and and when you say here's the problem and here is what we're doing to solve it e g we're having a council or we're having a board or we're having a you know kind of a an education program that's the governance is a solution mm-hmm. but you've got to define what the problem is not should we have governance
1: completely agree and again from the study presumably the families are willing happy and comfortable in putting in the required effort that is needed in order to come up with
0: well they they want it so they want governance and then they they call a consultant and they say mr consultant uh, or madam consultant give me governance make a culture and then the consultant says back, well, we have to get together as a family and we have to talk about things and say, wait a minute, I want to hire you. I don't Why do we have to get together? And so they begin to see that, that it, it, you can't outsource, you know, some of these things. You have to do them together and you can have an expert help you put it together, but you can't have an expert do the job for you.
1: Uh-huh because otherwise it doesn't have meaning and it just sits on the shelf well, the family desk. is
0: not doing it. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, um, and, and the family will, you know, will, you know, f- fall apart. Um, yeah. not really hang together.
1: It's a bit like someone drawing up a personal training plan and you're saying to someone else, can you go and do the exercise for me? Yeah,
0: right. It, exactly. That's a great example. It's like, Oh yeah, I would like you to exercise for me because I don't have time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're not going to get any of the results. Yeah. It's like, okay. Uh, so what 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 other lessons we've we've taken resilience and, and being generative and the the impact of governance on on these successful long-term family businesses and one of the points that you you make uh, in the book is around learning from successful businesses is a no. good thing, but there's no point looking back at those necessarily that aren't successful because. You learn more from the the ones that are yeah. than the mistakes that have been well, made. that's
0: what you learn. You learn from you know the wonderful businesses. That's why we love to hear about great stories. And so the idea that that by definition, a business that's lasted for three generations and a hundred years is got to be doing something right. And mm-hmm. so let's see what we can learn from them, rather than looking at businesses that have destroyed themselves and gotten into family feuds and lawsuits yeah. and. Lost money, you can't learn a lot. You can say, Don't do this, don't do that, but yeah. it doesn't really, you can do, you know, not do all kinds of things and still not be doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. And again, uh, hindsight's a wonderful thing because you yeah. look back and go, Well, you shouldn't have done that. We well, should have done this right. at that stage. Whereas yeah. these are businesses that have that longevity in them. Right. Yeah. And do you get the, uh, obviously, you're working with these families over a period of time as well. Do you get the feeling that they are still? Continually looking forward in terms of that con- continual generative. Well, it,
0: it's never attitude. done. You see, it isn't governance. Isn't something you have. It's something you do. And and as the family develops, and new people grow up, and new people enter the family, and new people you know gain control and influence, the governance has to be uh, you know uh, edited a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. And. Uh, Presumably the, the longer term view and, and the, the fact that the title of your book is Borrowed from Your Grandchildren right, kind of gives an insight into that mindset of this, it, we're custodians here, we're not, you know, this isn't ours to, to necessarily do with as we please, it's we have a responsibility to future generations.
0: Right, you have to pass it on so you can enjoy it. You have a beautiful, you know, car or piece of art or something like that or a house, you enjoy it, but you, you keep it in good repair and, uh, and you have to invest in it and then you give it to your, um, your grandchildren or your children in better shape than you got it. That, mm-hmm. That's what being a steward is. And so there's a, there's a benefit and you certainly have fun and enjoy it, but you also have to, you know, look after it. Mm-hmm.
1: And that doesn't have to mean that those future generations come in and work in the business and are are shackled to it in the way that you know their destiny is set out for them. It, it's that no, the entity. No, the exists, third
0: generation in these families, they mostly have non-family CEOs and executives, uh-huh. and the the people in the family are working on governance. They're working on social impact. They're working on uh, board as board members. They're they're doing uh, looking for new ideas they're they're reaching out, they're not doing, you know, building the, the business that exists.
1: Yeah. And I guess that ties back into the, the current situation that we find ourselves in today is there might be rising gen, next gen family members who are feeling a, a polarization of their emotional attachment to the business, in that they might be thinking this is under threat now. And therefore, yeah. I want to do something to help keep it going and help it to survive. Or, or... or alternatively, this is not for me I'm yeah,
0: exactly and, and that that's the choice they have every next generation person has to decide uh, whether they want this business or whether they want to say well the business has been good it's been great for my grandfather and my great-grandfather and my father but right now I think it should be over and uh, I want to you know go you know be a doctor or, mm-hmm. or do something else and you know it's not my uh, it's not my thing
1: yeah and one of my personal bugbears is the statistics around what success for a family business means and that there is this almost expectation on every family business to pass it to the next generation because that's what success looks like. Whereas what you've seen in your studies, it doesn't have to be the same entity being passed down through generations. Right, it can it, have iterations it, and, and diversifications right. away from the what the core business was
0: yeah I mean, if you produce a next generation, a child that um, has gone to great schools and developed great skills and has something that's really a value, then they, they can create value far beyond the business because they, they've been prepared to contribute to the world, and so a productive working you know a successful person is a, is a wealth creator for the family, just as a business is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of families say, well, that's what we want is productive children, not necessarily a business that gives everybody that gives everybody great income.
1: Mm-hmm. Great. And um, just mindful of our, our time. Yeah. But, but before we, before we go, in, in terms of any sort of final tips or suggestions that families might be wanting to look at, given where we are currently, but what would your thoughts be on that?
0: Well I think that that the the, the the current you know challenge is to get together with the people that are kind of your tribe in the employees people in the community family members and and you know kind of look ahead and say what do we want to do together a more outward facing thing and then beginning to you know just think about you know try things out and understand that the world is going to be this isn't the end of change when we go back to work it's it's in the, in the middle of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you very much for well, this was um, a great your time. A
0: great, you know, discussions. And yeah. uh, we covered a lot of topics. And I just want to say that the um, book is borrowed from your grandchildren. It's on Amazon. And if people want to hear a lot of stories about successful families, that's where, that's where they can go
1: fantastic and we will provide a show a link sorry in the show notes um, we'll right. put that in there so people can uh, can go and follow that and where else can people find out about you and your work dennis
0: i have a website dennisjaffey.com and i put up things like this interviews podcasts articles i just really want to share them with people that are that are interested in it
1: yeah Fantastic. And again, we will put links in the um, show notes on there. We already know that you're um, not a, a fan of social media, but we will be promoting this um, on there as well. So we'll be pointing oh, people know, towards in, you. And, uh,
0: and I have a website and, you know, what,
1: what. To be fair, I don't know anything about Snapchat or there's, there's something called TikTok oh, as well now. Anywhere, and... <laughs> but, but you certainly, you know, find
0: me um, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the web.
1: Fantastic. And uh, as I say, we'll signpost as many people as we can to, to your site as well. There's some, some great stuff on there for people to, to read as well. But uh, once again, thank you very much for your time. And, thank you very um, for, much. It was
0: great. Yeah.
1: And, uh, we'll see you soon. Care. Cheers. I hope you found this episode useful. If you have, then why not share it with your family and see what they think. I work with families just like yours to help them to better understand the complexities that can come with being a family in business. So whether you're just starting out or heading into the umpteenth generation, if you feel that I could help, check out fanbizpodcast.com forward slash work with Russ and get in touch. Until next time, take care.